You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. World Talk Radio. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water, Global Warming, and Your Health. You've been hearing a lot about global warming and what has been happening on this earth. It's not new, but it's new education to many people because many more people are becoming concerned. I have been studying 30 years of my life about dry air and what is happening to life on the earth at moments of lack of moisture, water, moisture to the skin, moisture in the air, moisture for the earth to live. It is so exciting to be able to participate each week in what I call a classroom with this show because we can learn a lot and we can teach a lot and we can pay it forward to teach others about you are the environment and your health is the environment. But without a healthy earth, we don't have the ecosystem for the environment for everyone to be healthy. And are you concerned about your generations to come? I am. Why would we go off to Mars and other planets if the Earth is doing, giving us the life, the living water that we believe in is so critical to our lives? You are the environment. And to learn more why about you being the environment and your health is the ecosystem, our show each week offers you so much to be reminded of and to learn. So we are hoping that you come to our site and listen to what we have in our classroom. Now, before we start today, you need to learn. Water is the life of all Earth. 1.1 billion people in the world do not have access to water. Safe water. One-sixth of the world's population. 2.6 billion people in the world do not have access to proper sanitation. That means... They do not have any sanitation for health reasons. 1.8 million children die every year because of no water. And this is at the mercy of us that know better. Washing your hands, having sanitation, washing your clothes. And every week I preach, I say, drink 8 to 10 glasses of water every day. You're made up of 60 trillion cells with that water molecule in each cell. And it's like one of the doctors as a guest recently said, that water is like a galaxy inside of you. What if you can't replenish? What if you can't detoxify? Water, water is the most vital source of all life. Today we have a very exciting show. I am so honored and thrilled. We have World Vision. It's a Christian organization for humanitarian concern and dedicated to working with children around the world with causes of water, needs of water. They've dedicated their lives for many years. Uh, For example, in West Africa, one of the initiatives is saving lives through safe waters and sanitation and hygiene. More than 18 million people in West African regions do not have access to drinking water. Now, imagine children not being able to go to school because they're having to go so far to bring the water to the home to survive that day, and then they go back again the next day. 
carrying the water on their head. It's a very heavy, water is heavy. So think about this as we talk today to Samuel Jackson, who is representing World Water Aid. And then after uh, that guest, uh, about, with World Water Aid, we're going to have discuss with Art Bernstein, the Ariel Sea and the former Soviet Union. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the replacement of lost moisture for the eyes, caused by dry air, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Our guest today is Dr. Jackson, who has a doctor, is a doctor of education, Pepperdine University, in California, a Master of Arts at the University of Portland, and is very much involved for 25 years with World Water Aid. Are you with us, with us, Dr. Jackson? Yes, good morning. How are you? Well, I'm fine. I am so Great. honored that you could join us. Um, what a privilege for me. Thank you. Well, thank you. And can we say that we're not sleeping and breathing nothing but the water? <laughs> well, I think that's true, isn't it? We're so completely ourselves water, you know. There's as you've said in in your wonderful opening remarks and I think very accurately, we're very dependent on water and yet there isn't enough of it on the planet right now for available that's safe for communities. So it's a very serious time and uh the number you provided of 1.1 billion, they say, is probably getting toward 1.2. I think so too. Uh, so it's yeah. it's not getting better; it's actually getting a little worse. Did you know that uh, every five seconds someone's going blind because everything is so dry? Yeah. And one out of every ten babies being born has a dry a, a problem with their eyes, and we know it's because the environment is very dry because the organ of the eye, when the eyelid is open, has to have moisture coming from the air. Yes, it's, it's a very serious situation. It's serious, and yet there's something that can be done. And I'm a very positive person, and you obviously are, because you have spent 25 years of working toward the goals of mm. educating and making, trying to help other people who have, are underprivileged about and have no ability to, support, to go out and do it themselves in different countries of the world. Mm-hmm. Let's hear more about you first. And how you, why you started with World, uh, the, world Vision. Yes, with World Vision and Water. Well, I, I thank you for, first of all, thank you for the, the subject. This topic of water and sanitation is such an important one for what we do and why we, are, are, uh, why we think that uh, if we don't do something about it, we're going to have children that suffer even more significantly as years go on. So we're really fighting a battle for the health of children. That's really why I'm, I'm involved. World Vision was attractive to me when I was finishing my doctoral work, and I had been in education 
but as I as the, as as you were saying in your opening remarks, education is sometimes better done if you're active than if you're doing it in a in a less active way. So I I found myself drawn morally and spiritually to engaging in um, in communities outside the United States where the where the needs were so serious. Uh-huh. and where there was a remarkable amount of good that could be done. World Vision had been known to me as a as a relief and development agency, and, and I had actually been sponsoring children through World Vision, my wife and I had. And so when we decided to change from edu- – I decided to change from education to this field, I had no idea of the potential uh, change that could take place. I had been working with students, let's say a population of 15 or 20 students in a reading class, who I thought I could have some impact on and did, but I found that the numerical impacts could be quite significant, and the and the and the particular needs of people who are suffering uh, could be met at a very very low cost. For example, water that we're providing in West Africa costs less than a dollar period to put in the provision of water. Now, let's, uh, so I as, as an example, yeah, see if I could, listeners can follow. So uh, you and your wife joined an organization, or did you found the organization? No, no. We've, we've organization is about 60 years old now. Oh, okay. And so we had joined in 84. So this, uh, the organization long ago became yes. concerned that people were taking, uh, let's say, living water too much for granted. Yes, yes. Very good. Water, world, water world is vision. a life. Did you know uh, the National Geographic several years ago said, uh, listeners, the water is a species. It's alive. Mm. And people don't realize that water is the life of everything. Mm, so 60 yes. years ago, someone – now, do you, do you by chance, and if you don't know, we could follow through with that later, who is the founder of, of the World Water Vision? World, World Vision. It's actually World Vision. And, World Vision. And World Vision's founder was a man named Bob Pierce. Uh-huh. And he, was, he started in, in or, working in orphanage support uh, during the Korean conflict and war. Okay. And that really moved him, the lives of children and their plight. Children. And then he realized for a little bit of money he could make a difference from now, the did U.S. did he start out so. with water, Doctor, or did he just move no, into water he, later? He got in, they got in, we got into water later. I think really his focus was upon just, ki- just children's children. basic, basic survival. He didn't oh. really have a plan for anything as sophisticated at that time as water is in terms of how you dis- provide yeah. it. And every once in a while, I'll interrupt to ask a question because you know our audience will be thinking and they're not asking. Mm-hmm. So along the way, they noticed that children around the world didn't have safe water sanitation, so they needed to also form a, a, a division within World Vision that would be, be concerned about water also. That's correct. Okay. And the, uh, the, the entry point for communities, if, if you're facing a community that's, that's very, very desperate, and that's often the case, you're, you're, the entry point is provision of water mm-hmm. because the communities are basically in isolation. We're not working in, mainly in the, in, the, in the urban settings, but imagine that, that uh, there are needs there too. But the rural communities... Um, have isolation as a problem. They're not. So let's say, uh, doctor, you go into a community uh, of somewhere in the world uh, that's isolated, and the first thing you do is try to figure out what you're going to do for the water first. In many cases, that's true. If that's the best entry point, but I was, I would say, in about in West Africa, for example, where we've where you focus this, uh, those communities are the women in those villages. 
uh, average about uh, five hours a day of water collecting. That's what I've been told. Mm-hmm. And it can be longer than that. Uh, they typically go four kilometers to five kilometers each way. And the water, as you pointed out so well, you're very you're very bright on this topic. But uh, when you see the women carrying the water and realize that it's it's about forty pounds of water, mm-hmm. typically thirty to forty pounds on their heads, mm-hmm. collecting that water and then getting it home in one piece without losing it, without dropping it. Can you imagine how they feel if some reason they're health wasn't good that day or something they tripped on and they dropped it well or their child the child that they have with them that they're 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 carrying or the child that's with them is ill the water on the the way after collecting and going all that way they're carrying the water for survival just for that day and they're they dropped it and then they had to start all over again and you know that's a lot of things with with our lives we don't think about is when people are surviving and it's like every every survival uh, course teaches you. When you're lost in a jungle, lost somewhere, the first thing you need to do is water. Make sure you can figure out a water or something to, for a source of water and moisture or to survive and then move on to the food second. So you can imagine getting up in the morning, getting yourself started with a normal, with a day of life, your feet are on the ground, and then all of a sudden you're off to go get your survival of water for the day, and you're coming along, and you drop it. Yeah. And can it's you a- imagine the stress and maybe a little anger like people normally do, normal people? Oh, my gosh, you dropped the water. How could yeah. you do that? And then all of a sudden the child or the people are thinking, oh, my gosh, look what I did to my family. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm having to do this, doctor, because this is what it's all about. You know, I said when I started this show, when I started months ago, I we've had about 70 guests, mm-hmm. and it's all on the power of water. And you wonder, where have we come from uh, when the state of Georgia almost ran out of water because yeah. they didn't build a reservoir for 40 years? Well, what were they thinking? All of us are there. All of us are guilty. Forgetting that without consciousness of this earth to be here forever, it's like one scientist I had on said, Sharon, the word eternity might not even be there. Well, doctor, why couldn't it be? Because we've got to learn that the survival of the planet and the survival of life with the planet is water first. At all times, the water, and it's not the ocean, it's fresh water. That's so I'm right. sorry to uh, now. Uh, okay, um, so you've learned then when you go to assist, um, and it's costing how much per uh, to assist? Well, it's less than a dollar to even provide to provide the water source in the village mm-hmm. is less than a dollar per villager in terms of the long the lifespan of it. Mm-hmm. In other words, you may you may give water um, uh, one you know uh, one well. And uh, you look at the villagers that are going to use that, and you'd say, well, this is going to be have to be, re- we've got to repackage this, we've got to rebuild, provide another well later on. That's not necessarily so. The wells we're putting in last have lasted 15 years and longer in 90% of the cases. Now, when so, you say last, does that mean they, when you went, and, and I think that's something I hadn't thought, so you're going to these areas and you're finding that they have a well somewhere now is or an old well somewhere that wasn't maintained. No, that's not that's not really what we find. Okay, so what do you find? The the villagers uh, will walk some distance for water if there's 
um, if there's a well, but they're more likely to get water. This is what's devastatingly difficult. They get their water from uh, open areas. Uh, If their water's nearby from the rains, it's called a catchment normally. use the term catchment, a place where water gathers. Sometimes these are small lakes for a while, but then they dry out. But the water is open. It's not closed. In other words, an animal can come along and drink out sure. of it. Or walk, or walk through it. All or of these people need bathing will and will play in the water. Okay. Uh, but it's a carrier, actually, of disease. Okay. And, sure. the, and, the, yes, and they be. don't know that yes, in, their, in the depths of their being. They really don't understand now, that the disease is from the water. Now, are you able to also, uh, with the fact that you're going into these areas, to help them with their water sources, are you edu- are you able to educate them where they would understand how to take care of the, of the open air water so that they know that those would be safer? Do they understand? Yes, that? they're very interested in it because they're because we have to to have a safe. A sustainable source of water. The word sustainability is very important. The villagers are going to have to maintain the the well source. So you start with education first, and then you bring along the concepts of health first, so that they understand that gathering water may be unhealthful to them. And if they provide safe water through a a closed system where the well is covered, they'll actually survive. Leaders of the uh, different villages. The leader, and every village has a leader. So you're having no problems with leaders of the villages wanting to assist. Well, I don't think that the answer is we don't have any problems. I think any time uh-huh. you're, you're coming into an area uh, from the outside with ideas, okay. then you really have to have both. The, in, the, in the villages we're talking about in West Africa, those are primarily Muslim villages, which means that they have a more traditional uh, view of the role of women and the role of men. The men are the chiefs and the women are the water gatherers. Yeah. And so the chiefs and the women are both considered important stakeholders in the decision about when the water will be provided. But we're not going to do it until we're convinced that they uh, have have a will to do it and to stay. Which it may take you a month or two to get that kind of commitment um, because it's not just simply for providing water that does it. It's water and sanitation together. Mm-hmm. I see. So World Vision is not just water, but you became very, this became a very important focus to you and, and to many others through the period of years, that, that water was a big issue for health. De- definitely, and also a wonderfully exciting one because it means that they don't walk anymore. Mm-hmm. For the water, once you, if you can find safe water, if you can find, you have to find the, the, through the hydrogeological process, you have to find a safe, reliable source of water, uh, then you have to provide the well, and then you have to make sure that the sanitation is handled separately okay, in another part of the area. let's help our listeners learn more about, let's say, how, who did you take with you? How did you find out where the water source would be for that well? The, the the work is done by both traditional work uh, work traditional records that the government has. Okay. But if they don't have the records of having done well sightings through through uh, you know ten or twenty years of looking at the area for water, then we've got to do original work, which okay. means well sightings and use of certain techniques so paying, that allow. You're, us, you're paying for that. We pay for everything that uh-huh. we do. To provide the water. Now, obviously, every village, the reason towns are where they're at all over the world is because there's a water there, like a river or a lake. So these villages at one time did have the water or they wouldn't be located there. Well, they're also very poor and they're very, they don't have the knowledge that you do of, 
of how water is normally provided. They've done that through their own um, with will and, and wisdom, which is a survival method. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the dry seasons, walking further during the wet seasons, mm-hmm. trying to collect water. But invariably during the dry seasons, which can sometimes even mean uh, six months without an access, close access, that's when the walking starts. Okay. Now, have you found when you've been traveling and your studies with everyone in your group that global warming, the globe has been changing since day one, that people are noticing now the climate change has gone around in a circle again like it always has. Have you noticed at a very severe droughts that you're having harder, a very much more difficult time getting water from a new well? Well, I, I'm not a scientist, so I want okay. to avoid the, okay. the, uh, trying to be an expert on something like that. I can only comment on what we've found okay. about the spread of the of the of desertification okay. in, the, in the in the West Africa areas okay. and in in other parts of the of the world where we've worked, like Ethiopia. In those places, water is the the access to water is becoming more difficult because populations are growing, and also yeah. because the water sources, the subsurface, the groundwater is is more difficult to find. Mm-hmm. And what subject is dear to your heart? Because we're going to take a break with our sponsor, and we're going to come back. And what is the most interesting thing that you think we should educate with this? I call this uh, show the classroom. When we come back, what do you think it is very, very important that our audience learn? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I thought you were saying when I come back. Okay, well, thank you. Well, me, uh, I mean, if, what, what was it? No, let me, let me, I, think the, I think it's the power, I was going to say, it's the power of women in development. Okay, we're going to be right back. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we're going to come back and listen to what Dr. Jensen, uh, uh, Dr. Jackson's favorite subject might be with what we could do to help here. We'll be right back. We'll listen to our sponsor. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water, global warming, your health, and how important it is for you to drink water every day and also participate in the environment. You can participate every day in the environment because you are the environment. Today, we in our classroom, I call our show, we have Dr. Samuel Jackson. and He's involved with World Vision, and we've been talking about water and what's going on in different parts of the world, their concerns. But dear to his heart on this last part of the show, we're going to talk about the power of women in this development of concerns about uh, water and children. Uh, Dr. Jackson, let's uh, talk to our audience about what you believe is the power of a woman in these situations. 
Mm, well, thank you again for having me on for this topic. Women are the most important energizers of the provision of water in the culture uh, of West Africa and probably in all rural villages. Uh, no matter where you go. Women are are the gatherers of water. Women are the main source of support to the children on a daily basis, and they're the ones who are energized to make change. And um, they, I have to tell you one story if you have time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a group of women in Niger, who we were, vi- we were visiting the village, and we were visiting with the chiefs on a mat. It was very hot, about 11 o'clock, about 10 o'clock in the morning. And we had been sitting with the chiefs who were hosting us, and we saw women coming up the hill into the village, and they said they had, they had walked seven kilometers one way for the water. The, they walked past us and acknowledged that the men were sitting on the mats. And there were some women sitting on mats who were visitors, but no women from the village were in that meeting. And they walked past us, and then uh, one of the group had the, had the probably unwisdom, but wisdom to say to the women when they came back by and were very exhausted, they said, do you, do you have in, any interest in your children's education? And they rolled their eyes in their own style, which was to say, don't you see that if we didn't ha- that we've had to carry this water back don't you see how tired we are of course we would do that as soon as if we had safe water we would start educating our children that's what their eyes told us yes and then when we talked to them they said of course we know what our children need of course we know what they developmentally need we are very committed to our children but we have no energy exactly. we 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 will leave again this afternoon to go get more water so they did this more than once a day. They ha- they have to go twice sometimes. Sometimes twice a day. Yeah. So they're going seven kilometers. So that's fourteen kilometers in the morning, and potentially doing it again in the afternoon, though not always. But again, that's you get into the kilometers. You're talking a mileage that's in, incredible. That's in the survival, the driest part of the dry season. And when, that can happen to when, you know. Yep. History is history, and future is future. And doctor, can that can happen in the next hundred years? somewhere here in the United States or around the world. It doesn't have to be just there. You know, there's a desert sand. And why did the desert become, why did it become a desert? No water. And you may have heard about what's happening in China is they have a desert that's growing one mile every year. That's because they're going dry. Um, And China has bad water, bad sanitation. Of course, they have a very serious pollution problem. On top of that, so listeners, we've got to realize that we're here to, to for a future of all time to come, and we have a mission, and that mission means we need to learn, and we need to not be selfish, be self-concerned, be too busy, two excuses to say we're too busy. Uh, let's all join in and decide we're going to join the environment with water, and if you make the focus water. Every day, you're going to drink it, you're going to understand how vital it is to your health and what you're going to do with it, but you're also going to realize you will not have to go to another planet someday. You will be able to have this planet last, because why do other planets not exist? What's happened to other countries of the world where the desert grew and took over? They are living there on a desert. So, Doctor, um, with the women of the world... Uh, who are obviously these people of strength. I almost have to smile when you were talking because uh, look at myself. Several years ago, about 30 years ago, I started studying stress. And I found myself st- 
stress. And as I studied stress on the body and attitude, I was so uh, surprised that at the age I was, I had not learned that the body's made up of 60 trillion cells, that when you were born and you entered in the air you breathe and you left that pocket of water, you entered into an air call of what should be moisture in the air that you can't see. But if you can't drink the water and have that moisture, and by the way, you have to have more moisture out of the air, the water you can't see in the air, to survive, we don't live. Mm. And myself as a woman, as a mission, as years went by, I thought, my goodness, where's the water to go along with medication and therapy and surgery and more? And I was just shocked that when was the last time when you went to the doctor, the doctor said, and they have to remember to do this, but you, this will not work for you if you don't drink enough water. So you're off in these countries of the world, and women have these instincts, doctor. They do. Mm-hmm. And they know what survival is, especially women, because they, they nurture children. And, you, and you're right to say the children of the women. They nurture them. They care about them. They're a passion, pain to gain. Exactly. It's the women. Exactly. And the women know. Uh, and their women don't mind pain to gain. And they don't mind disappointment. They don't get discouraged. They keep encouraging. And so you're going into these places of the world sitting down, with the power of the women to help get them educated about how good they are, how wonderful they are. They are absolutely the power of life and what you can do to help them find that closer well. Now, when they do find a closer well, how do they get it built? Well, World Vision and the communities work together on the provision on where the water well goes uh, if, if within reason because you have to find the water first. But once you, you're trying to locate it within less than a kilometer of the village, and that's the main issue is, is to keep it close. Um, so we, we, we work at that with them. And then they, the women are also involved in the health aspects, the sanitation, education, and so forth. Now, sometimes because they are, they're critical, as are the chiefs, but, yeah. but the women might primarily. Yeah. Now, how, you, do, would you by chance have any knowledge of how deep they would have to dig a well? Well, in the West Africa areas, it'll, de- it'll depend on which p- country and the geological formations, but probably between 50 and 100 meters, which is um, 100 meters would be about 390 feet, I think, uh, uh, something like that. And so the distance, the depths are, or are maybe from 150 to 300 feet, 350 feet. Do they bring equipment in from somewhere? Yes, or everybody's yeah. No, we've, we have, we've been we- provi- providing wells since in this area since about 1984, 85. After the Ethiopia famine, we started a large water program. And to date, that's provided water through uh, drilling. And so they're drilling, there's seven drill rigs working in the three countries of Mali, Niger, and Ghana, and about 1.2 million people now have water. So is the, uh, what happened with Ethiopia that gave you the uh, alertness that there was a very serious future happening. Well, Ethiopia's drought, which we all were educated on uh, as, as adults, the adult population really learned from Ethiopia. That same drought was affecting West Africa at the same time. Mm-hmm. So all the way from Senegal and Mauritania going east, uh, all the way to Ethiopia and Sudan, etc. That ba- that band of the sub called Sub-Sahara and Sub-Sahel, 
that that sub area where populations are living in in uh, in villages, it was all hit hard. They missed a whole cycle of water. Now, do you ever go to India? We do work in India, and there's a large there's a a number of water problem. projects going on there. There's a lot of history of work in, in India and Bangladesh, including some real problems with water supply. Are you spending most of your time then where, pay, where the countries aren't as, or, uh, don't have as much money to spend? Uh, like India does have a lot of money to spend on their well, own country. So you're well, villi- to- villagers, villagers are not necessarily the government. The villagers have live on barter almost entirely. They don't have, and they're also not, because they're rural and they're poor, they don't have a real high value to the society for, in other words, there's not much that they can provide of resource, either tax base or otherwise. So they're virtually isolated. Um, what is the population in Africa? Do you, do you, I'm, I hope I don't put you on the spot. I don't, I don't know what the population of Africa is. I mean, I it's probably it's over it's either. it's probably over a half a billion, mm-hmm. but I don't have the figure. Mm-hmm. Now, tell us a little bit about World Vision and how you raise your funds to help these people all around the world. Yeah, the, this project in particular is very interesting because it was founded by the Conrad N. Hilton Foundation. Actually, a man named Don Hubs of the Hilton Foundation wanted to provide water. And he decided the best way to do that was um, the family, but Uh not the hotels. Okay, the family's uh, uh, foundation. Some of the family members uh, were interested in uh, Conrad Hilton founded a foundation, and Don Hubs at the time was chairman of it, and and uh, made the decision with to represent the interest of Mr. Uh, Hilton by by addressing health issues. So he 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 really developed this program with World Vision. He said, "I'd like you, I'd like to work with you to develop something very long term." Mm-hmm. That was 1988 and 89. Okay. So it's been going steadily since then without any stoppage. And your corporate headquarters is where? Uh, the corporate headquarters is in, in the Seattle area. Okay. And then there are offices in about 95 countries. Mm-hmm. And then well, you're, you're supporting those offices all over the world. Yeah, those offices are supported in the countries uh, of location. If they're, from, if they're, for example, England, the United States, or Canada, we will send support to offices and to programs in the developing world, like Niger, Mali, and Ghana. Mali, Niger, and Ghana, as, as examples, do not raise support locally because there isn't enough of an infrastructure of support. But we have our funding from really from child sponsors and from others who give generously. Uh, That's a major part of how World Vision exists. Mm -hmm. Now, did you know that a lot of the companies out there are getting concerned about malaria and also wanting to contribute to many water issues? Uh, We we have contact with a lot of them. Coca-Cola is doing quite a bit more than they were. Uh, as an example, and we have some very interesting discussions going on with General Electric actually in India right now. And but uh, Procter & Gamble has been companies. active and many other smaller companies. Yeah, some of the oil companies are very interested, too. I yes. want to add to your uh, information there. Thank uh, you. They're wanting to start studying more about malaria. I know Marathon Oil Mm-hmm. Um, is really wanting to, they're very much involved with malaria. Mm. And there's different oil companies out there that I'm familiar with that are really wanting to start concerning water because they know yeah. the reason lo- the diseases are there is because of water. That's right. Malaria is the most serious killer, and it's actually worse than AIDS is. AIDS is terrible, but malaria is worse. Um, but diarrheal diseases kill a lot, kill these children that you referred to. Mm-hmm. Diarrheal diseases are related to the drinking of, generally, the lack of safe water because 
uh, you just you pick up so many problems from the water. It's not the only reason they 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 die of it, but you'll find that to be the case. The malnourishment leads to very weakened a very weakened health system, and then the child succumbs when they don't have enough food to eat. Uh, they often you know, will die. But the lungs cannot have enough water to sustain the oxygen and the moisture levels. It's it, 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 everything begins to collapse. And yeah, it's it's impossible to sustain life without some healthy amount of water. And even unhealthful water will keep you alive, but it leaves you quite ill. Exactly, it does yeah. kill you. And right. I know I've had World Water Aid, the head of World Water Aid, with the United Nations here on uh, from around the world, and they have all said that uh, that the concerns are the fact that there has it's not we have we need to get serious and yeah. uh, what you're doing is very serious and I hope the listeners realize uh, that you're so dedicated I can tell by your passion I know by your organization that you are you're all over the world and if if there's a catastrophe like what's happening in different countries with these hurricanes do you go in and try to help them or is that not part of your program no well in the case of my in the case of water yeah water is always a problem in disasters yes it is it's uh is the case in myanmar we have a you know it's a very serious problem of even finding clean uh clean water because of the of uh of of the death, pro- the problem of, of bodies in the water mm-hmm. and other things related to it that are just very difficult. Well, when you get thirsty, um, have you ever been hiking and you're so thirsty and you see a crack and you think, well, I don't know if I should or I shouldn't, mm-hmm. but if you're so thirsty, you're going to take a chance. You take a chance and then you, the effects come so long, so much later sometimes that, and that you don't even connect the two. We you don't really know where you got where the water was bad. We're all human. Yeah. Human. No, no question about it. And it's it's a wonderful thing to be able to respond. We have 450 staff in Myanmar, for example, and we've we will have been there for 40 years. So we're active in a relief effort there. But water has to be provided to all these situations, and it has to be filtered water, or we can't provide it. We don't. We do not. We cannot subscribe to giving somebody bad water. This is a Christian organization. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that part, and then uh, we're, I'm sorry, we're going to be over with the, uh, uh, this educational class, and we'd love to have you back on if you think uh, that we forgot to bring up something for the listeners to be educated about. Uh, let's do this again, but uh, tell us a little bit about your Christian organization. Well, World Vision's founding was by a, a Christian man who really believed very much that the the heart of God's will was the that that we care for others, and so texts of scripture such as giving a cup of cold water means you're doing on behalf of behalf of God, uh, that sort of thing is is pretty standard of of a Christian worldview, and those who practice uh, their Christian faith will find compassion as fundamental to it. So the action of the Good Samaritan, of course. So all we're really doing is just fulfilling that kind of a, a wish. Cup of water. Cup of ideal, correct, clean water. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank, thank you so much for having me. Well, I've enjoyed it very you, much. And, and bless you all. Thank you. Keep up the hard work. And if you think it's something we forgot to teach today, be sure and get a hold of us, and we'll do this again. Fantastic, Sharon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow. I've told you many times that I, my mission has been getting the concern and seriousness of our planet Earth The secret is in the water. The mirror is you.
looking in the water. And let's share that with an environmental cause. So if you're drinking water, you're environmental. You're misting with nature's tears. I missed. You're environmental. You care about your eyes. You care about yourself. You're adding to the environment. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. I want to invite you to listen again to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. Uh, this is our second segment. We always have in our first segment something to do with your health, your environmental concerns about you and what you need to do about your health because if you're wanting to be healthy that is very vulnerable to other people around you because they'll want to learn to be healthy too how do you live with earth it's not going to live with you you've got to learn to live with the earth flow with the earth and learn what you must do to be a healthier person water in the world 97.5 percent of the world's water is salt water if the world's water fit it fit into a bucket, only one teaspoon would be drinkable. Can you imagine if the world's water fit in a bucket? I think we all need to realize how important this is all over the world. And some of us have more strength and courage and wisdom and abilities to help others uh, and, and know what has to be done. And I hope you join us with this environmental concern all over the world because we do have a choice and that's freedom you have every day in your mind is that freedom of choice to join and be concerned about the earth and have it here let's have earth exist for eternity today art bernstein who has a master's degree in anthropology forestry has been with us many times art writes books on nature hiking and today he would like to discuss the subject of the aerial sea and the former Soviet Russia. Are you with us, Art? I am indeed. Yes, you know, the water issues of the world that we've been talking on, uh, you know, the women carrying the, uh, the on their head, well, they're obviously not carrying it in buckets. They have to carry it on their head because they have to go so far. Do we have or, a minute to talk about my experience with bad water, as you well know? Yes, or, let's listen to your experience. And what happened to me 20 years later? Okay, let's hear your uh, Just exactly as you describe, hiking in the wilderness, and I, I used to drink out of creeks if they looked clean. And then about uh, 20 years ago, I stopped doing that, but I did it enough to pick up what they call an H. pylori infection. Hmm. That could have killed me. I had uh, a rampaging bacterial infection in my stomach. Mm -hmm. The symptoms were 20 years later, I was getting acid reflux. 
So what maybe was happening is because you do so much hiking because you write your books, yeah. you were probably not thinking about drinking out of the streams over and over again because they seem fresh, flowing, fresh, cold, pristine, out of nowhere. But years later you found that... Yeah, well, 20 years ago I stopped drinking out of creeks. Okay. Um, but it was too late. I already had the infection. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's the same bacteria that causes ulcers. Mm-hmm. And they found precancerous cells in my esophagus, which, thank goodness, are now gone. Mm-hmm. And um, the treatment uh, cost 300 bucks for 10 days of antibiotics. Oh, my goodness. It was the harshest yeah. antibiotics I've Besides, ever Besides, a lot life. of people wouldn't recognize the symptoms and grow with it forever. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, tell us about the Ariel Sea, the, uh, Arrow, the former A-R-A-L. Soviet Union. Uh, yeah, it's on the border between Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, mm-hmm. which are now independent countries in Central Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the desert. And in 1960, it was the fourth largest lake in the world. You have the Caspian Sea, you have Lake Michigan and Huron. That's, and then it's the fourth largest freshwater? The fourth largest lake. Lake. Which, which means it does so why, why do they call it the Ariel Sea? The Aral. Aral Sea. A-R-A-L. It means uh, the Sea of Islands. Okay. In, in uh, Russian or whatever language. Okay, I see. So, uh, mm-hmm. Okay, I understand. Yeah. Um, so, but it was the fourth largest in the world? It was the fourth largest. It was it's salty, like the Caspian Sea. Okay. But it's considered a lake because it's uh, surrounded completely by land. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's it do? What, or, what, how big is it today? Uh, today it's not even ranked. So is there any water in it it's at all? Less than 10% of the size it was uh, in 1960. 1960? Yeah. In, so in what happened? It was the fourth largest lake in the world. It is was, it, was it because of the uh, drought? Uh, uh, there are two major rivers that feed into the... It's a sink, so it has no outlet. Mm-hmm. That's why it's salty. And you might re- explain to our listeners again what sink means, because you taught us that once before. But A sink means it's an enclosed basin. It doesn't have an outlet. It means what it says. It's a sink. Yeah. It's holding water. Uh, two extremely large rivers flow into the Aral Sea, uh-huh. and then the water just stays there, and that's, that's why it's salty. Mm-hmm. But uh, it depends on the two rivers flowing into it for its mm-hmm. water and for the fisheries and for... Mm-hmm. Everything else. The, mm-hmm. the two rivers are interesting. They're, they're the Amudaria and the Sirdaria. Mm-hmm. And these are the rivers, if you were in the uh, 1200s, if you were following the Silk Roads from uh, Europe to Asia and you wanted to get over the Himalayas, mm-hmm. you'd go up either the Sirdaria or the Amudaria. And that, that's the, the, the route that would take you over the top of the Himalayas. Oh, huh. So there's plenty of water. Mm-hmm. And these are very, very legendary rivers. Now, and I'm trying to vision that the water has been so depleted. Is it, is it sandy around okay, it? What happened was the government of Kazakhstan in 1960 decided they wanted to be the cotton capital of the world. And they took all the water out of these oh. two rivers and they diverted them to, uh, to growing cotton in the desert. Now, where is this at? Um... Central Asia. Okay, they they wanted to become the cotton growers it, it, of the world, it, it and it took to be water. The yeah, in 1960, so they, it was the Soviet Union. Okay. 
Uh, now it's uh, the nation of uh, Kazakhstan. Okay. And is that their major industry, is growing cotton? Yes, but what happened was uh, they didn't build the canals very well, so they've taken a lot more water than they needed. And then the lake started shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Okay. Well, the lake had no purpose other than a sink of water. It had it a wasn't really supplying it had humanitarian. People, uh, and a whole bunch of towns all I've got a thought to ask you and I think you can answer this. They, they figured 10 20% of the fish the the fish that were eaten in the Soviet Union were from the Aral Sea. Oh, okay. I had no idea it was being used. Now, uh, but it was out in a remote area of the mountains. It's a very very large flat desert area. Okay, desert. Uh, yeah. So and and it comes out of the Himalayas. So there, there's. A With your background and all, when a when a desert begins to grow, because it doesn't start out as a desert. When a desert begins to grow, as and you've got a desert, it doesn't stop being a desert. It continues to be more desertless. To a some extent, it can create its own little environment. You get moister air, and yeah. therefore you get a few more clouds and a little more rain. Yes. Uh, what they did there is no different than what they did in the Imperial Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, Cal- Southern California. Mm-hmm. I think something we all have to learn, too. In fact, too, they grow cotton there, too. That if you don't have water on the surface of the earth, you won't have a cloud come in and create a condensation. Yeah, exactly. The moisture from the earth, the water on the earth, fresh water on the earth that wor- that begins to create that electrolytic ability for the condensation to have rain. Yeah, but, but let me tell you what happened. Uh, the air of sea dried up. It's less than 10%, so there's this vast... And also, before they built the irrigation system, they'd been uh, polluting the, the, the lake. So now they have this so big desert of... of la- how did they... Excuse me, though. It, how did they pollute the lake? Uh, they had industry... Uh, oh, okay. So they were dumping chemicals into it and, you know, oh. as, as waste products. Mm-hmm. So now that the lake's dried up, all these fields of cotton, uh, the area is prone to big dust storms, and it whips up all the uh, all the all the uh, poison chemicals that were at the bottom of the lake, and it whips up all the salt, and it blows them back on the cotton fields and kills the cotton. Oh. So. <laughs> oh goodness, huh? Well, well, that's our earth. You know, yeah. people don't want to live with earth; they want the earth to live with them, and. That's part of our education here with this, is we yeah, have to learn. So you need to strike a balance. You know, I mean, this, uh, to they to totally for, forgot about the environment mm-hmm. uh, in favor of man. And if you do it the other way around, you also create problems. Well, I think that is something in this class that I hope in this show, that we can all learn from each other and from all of the special guests and hope the questions I ask are right, is the fact we're living on this earth together all over this earth planet together and that earth has a secret but it's not going to live with us the way we want it to live with us we have to learn to live with earth it's and it's strange that we didn't think that way we really are so 
self-involved that we want Earth to live our way, and we're going to change it to live our way. Now, do some people go so extreme? In other words, uh, there's a dead tree among these beautiful, healthy trees. Oh, don't cut it down because that's Earth's way of naturally the tree isn't living. But we've learned that for Earth to live, for us to live with Earth and Earth to live with uh, living with Earth, that if the bugs come along and the insects and that dead tree begins to affect the animals right. that get insects and disease, and then that dead tree or dead bush affects the other live trees because of the of the insects and the dead. Then when fires start, they just come right through all of that dead brush and trees. So that idea has been extreme. Yeah, if the trees are weakened or have bugs in them, they, they burn easy. And then the water, the rains come down. And when the rain comes down, that's Earth's way of replenishing. And when the rain comes down... They were not keeping up with the reservoirs all over the world because there could be times of Earth's climate. It changes each year, and it can change back again someday and cycle again. But if you don't have water, people die. So you've got to have reservoirs. And you need to have so much water on the surface of the Earth to be able to have moisture in the air because if you don't have moisture in the air, you not only don't have enough water to drink, but you don't have enough moisture in the air for even a satellite or for your electricity because eventually it would be bearless you wouldn't barren you wouldn't have the electricity to you have to have that electrolytic energy of moisture in the air you don't see to even have the power yeah yeah i know and people we've got to learn we're going to learn we're going to learn and some of us learn slower than others but there's some of us that really want to take a position and mission our way into concerns about the whole earth together. And that's us and um, many of us on this earth care. So, But would you like to leave uh, any extra message with everyone about the um, the lake? That didn't, so it's almost completely gone. Yeah, they're trying to restore part of it. Uh, so they repaired the... Uh, the, the the irrigation canals into part of it, so mm-hmm. uh, one little section of it is, is building back up, but the mm-hmm. uh, the fresh water isn't mixing with the old salt water underneath, mm-hmm. so uh, it's not really working out the way they'd hoped. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's a hopeful sign. Well, I want to thank you for that subject matter because that can happen anywhere. Sure, and. Uh, you know, our forefathers on our earth had a lot of great ideas for all generations, and I, our generation has to think about the power of the water for all generations to come. And I want to thank you for joining us and teaching oh, us that, sub, that about the, that lake today. You're Have very a nice welcome. day, Art. Thank you. Well, listeners, I think uh, you've been learning with each of the shows is how important the water is and it's 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 not a very boring issue that if you yourself each day get out of bed and begin the day with a glass of water warm water and all through the day you replenish yourself with the water and wherever you go you know if it's too dry you need to replenish the water with a humidity effect 
at your fingertips. It's called a personable mobile device. And our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and creator, Biologic Aqua Research Center, has been teaching that you will become environmentally concerned about Earth if you carry one, too. Because when the eyelid is open, the organ of the eye is exposed to the Earth, and it has no cover. It's like if I came over and gave your chest a window, and the organs had to breathe. If there was no moisture, they couldn't breathe. Close the, the chest up. But the eyes are the vision, the mirror of your life and your health. I hope you take your environment serious. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us with our next show. Have a nice day. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life every precious moment. 